City Hall sub-basement. This is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Episode, or should I say meeting number 13. This meeting is now in session. Okay, let's call this to order. Meeting called to order? Okay. Okay, take attendance. Uh, we have um, PAL Design. Uh, pal, no. Pa, um, you're not PAL Design? No, I'm not PAL Design. Okay, you are... Are you... Are we waiting for a PAL Design, or... Well, I thought he worked here. Uh, I don't think he does. Okay, and you yeah. are... Paul Duchesne. Oh, I see the confusion. Sorry. That's okay. I have a, I have aphasia. I have trouble with faces. Okay. Yeah. You could be Ariana Grande for all I know. Probably not, though. I'm not. Okay. Hey, so, Pal Design. Uh, also, we have Ariel Dorfman. No, no Ariel Dorfman. No, we don't have Argentinian-Chilean activist and author Ariel Dorfman. No. Oh. No. Okay. I, I think I might have left one of his books lying around in the staff room, okay. though. That's probably where I got that from. Probably. I, uh, no, wait, I misread it. Aiden Morgan. That's me. Okay. Okay, sorry. I'm a little disappointed. I, kind of yeah. like, uh, I was hoping to have... That would have been a great guest. It, well, actually, he would have been actually employed here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, ima imagine having like a noted activist in the, in the Bureau. It would be fantastic. We might get something done finally. Probably just, you know, all the reports, something must be getting done. We, we generate a lot of reports. Yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure some of our suggestions do end up getting implemented. Hey. All right, so what's first on the agenda? Uh, well, first we have an interview with a uh, potential improvement vector. Uh, we have John Agnew of Koto Books. Oh. Hello, John. Oh, that's who this person has yeah. been sitting in the yeah. room with us all this I time. I thought it was Ariel Dorfman at first, but then I realized that... It, he didn't raise his hand. By process no. of elimination. Yeah. Yeah. How are you tonight, John? I'm excited to be here. Good. I've been waiting for this interview. <laughs> Excellent. It's, it's, a, it's a rare privilege in this city to be considered an actual improvement vector. I didn't realize the city hall had so much, so many basement rooms. It just go down and down and down. I, I think actually at some point, like some people get into like a circle and they just, they, they get down here for like what feels like days. I prefer to think of it as a gyre that you, you circle down and down and down. A widening gyre? Yeah. Sure. Well, I actually started at eight thirty <laughs> this morning trying to get down here. So that's pretty good. Well, I'm I, I like the initiative. You're starting early, that's perfect. I'll make a note of that. You were still a bit late though. But anyway, that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so uh, the improvement vectoring that we wanted to talk to you about is uh, you're with Koto Books. Koto Books. Koto Books. Koto books. Uh, okay, I'll make a note. Uh, and uh, so books. Books, absolutely. People read books still? Um, people read books more than ever, I would say, to these right. days. Yeah. And uh, so, and you produce, uh, what, what kind of books does Kato Books produce? Kato Books uh, prints literary fiction. Uh, they print poetry. And we print young adult fiction as well. And then we also uh, 
come across books every now and again that we just think is of, uh, of general interest to Saskatchewan readers, so we take that on, but that's sort of a project-by-project basis. Right. And you're, and so you're a Saskatchewan publisher. You, your office right. is just across the street from City Hall, basically. It is, it is. Yeah, yeah. that's what I meant by starting this morning. I just, I, it took me half an hour to jaywalk. That Traf- can be dangerous. Traffic is pretty yeah. bad right and now. And then there was a lineup at Fresh and Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So that was oh, a don't, don't don't get involved. Don't, don't get like try and cross that lineup. It yeah. gets crazy. Yeah. If, if they can't get their candied apples, that's right. Yeah. They get cross. That's right. But we're, you're <laughs> right. We're right uh, downtown on Victoria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And uh, how long has Cato Books been around? Cotto celebrated uh, 40 years of book publishing last year. Oh. So 41 oh, wow. years. 41 right years. Founded in Moose Jaw okay. by four people, who, four young writers who uh, were tired of not getting their work published in Toronto or Vancouver. So right. they started their own press. And uh, the rest is history. 400 hmm. and something rather books later. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. And when did you guys move to Regina? Uh, probably it was in, I think, the uh, late 80s, maybe. Right. Long before I started. Yeah. And you guys don't just publish Saskatchewan authors. You publish Canadians. We publish uh, authors. We have published authors from across the country, but the focus really is on, I would call it, prairie writing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, Saskatchewan authors actually aren't here anymore. So we published Sharon Butala last year, who is well-known for mm-hmm. uh, her books about East End. She actually lives in Calgary now, so technically it's an Alberta writer, but right. uh, she's Saskatchewan in her heart. Right. So as Saskatchewan writers spread out, we keep in touch. Cool. Mm. Um, did you want to talk about the, uh, the your 2016 catalog? Yeah, I'd that's love like to. fairly new, yeah. isn't it? it? Well, yeah, the catalog's new, and the books will start coming out actually uh, 1st of April. Oh, right on. It's when they actually hit the uh, stands. Uh, we've got... Um, uh, six different books coming out this spring, and I'll just sort of start from the top. Sure. Uh, one we're really excited about is called Scattered Bones, and it's written by Maggie Siggins. And uh, people who pay attention to Regina News and Current Affairs will remember Maggie Siggins. She, among other things, wrote the book and the documentary on the rise and fall of Colin Thatcher. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, she was with the CBC for quite some time. This is her first work of fiction, and it's uh, set in Pelican Narrows in 1924. And uh, in certainly in the 20s, I think it's 1924. Uh, and it's, it centers on an absolutely true incident. A Nobel Prize winning author, Sinclair Lewis, took a canoe trip and was actually in Pelican Narrows. And uh, Maggie found all these diaries and so on about life in Pelican Narrows around that event. And so she's crafted a work of fiction uh, that really talks about it's it's it's. Pelican Narrow is really on the cusp. I mean, there are fur traders there. There are uh, First Nations people there. There are the Catholic churches there. The Anglican churches there. There are all these sort of tensions uh, that, and the uh, Sinclair Lewis's arrival becomes the focus of those tensions. And in the background, there's this thread of excitement in the community because they're building a new residential school. Oh. And that provides for those of us who have the pleasure of reading this book in this era a sort of sense of irony that the the excitement that finally they're building a school and it's a residential school so i found it's a it's a real uh, page turner and it's uh it's it's a really good book mm-hmm. we're really uh, excited to get that one out there 
Yeah, that's, well, uh, that strikes me as uh, something of a coup I mean, with, uh, with an author of Maggie Siggins. It is. Book. It is. Uh, we were absolutely uh, thrilled uh, when we got a phone call from her asking uh, if she could send in a manuscript. And, uh, yeah, it's just been great. Yeah. So it is a coup, yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it'll be out in April. Cool. Uh, real talk. I uh, used to work for Maggie Siggins. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Oh, excellent. Yeah, she's well. She's well known. She was here for a mm. long time. Yeah. And so, and she'll be coming back when we launch the book. She'll be back here to do that. Cool. You had another job. Y- yeah. Before, before here. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I, my, well, I have memory every, memories of things. I don't eat a lot of protein these days um, or vegetables, so uh, my memory gets a little hazy. The cognition is not what it used to be. But I'm pretty sure there was a time before this basement. Okay. I can't say for sure. With Maggie. <laughs> That's right. I have dim <laughs> memories. Right. Sorry, what else is coming out, John? <laughs> um, uh, speaking of residential schools, we have a book of poetry called uh, Burning in This Midnight Dream, written by Louise Half. And Louise has uh, written several books of poetry. She's originally from Alberta, actually, but she lives in Saskatoon now. She's Cree. Mm-hmm. and uh, grew up uh, on, the, on a reservation. And uh, this book of poetry, which is her third or fourth, is uh, her uh, poetic, artistic response to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And it's a remarkably uh, raw book. Beautiful poetry, but the emotions are hugely raw. She's uh, a very revealing of the impact it had on her, her family, uh, it's written from her own heart. It isn't um, imagined. It's a very visceral response to this, to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. It's a, it's a an incredibly powerful book. Um, not all, you know, and uh, has a huge amount of emotional impact. And I expect this one, besides uh, being uh, in, of interest to people who read poetry, it'll be uh, another voice to be heard on the whole issue of Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And uh, like a couple of her other books, I imagine they will, this one will end up on college curricula as uh, as kind of a source for for uh, a point of view about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And Louise is a, a wonderful person as well. She's a real doyen of uh, Indigenous writing and, and encouraging Indigenous writers yeah. and so on. Yeah. And very she, well known. She's a fantastic author. Yeah, yeah she is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, you've also got a small display of chaos? Uh, small, sorry, small displays of chaos. Small displays out. of chaos. This is yeah. um, our first uh, work. It's a young woman named uh, Bree Fisher wrote it. I mean, young in my context anyway. She's twenty three. Uh, this is her first novel. She's a student, uh, full time student, and this is a work of fiction uh, about a uh, high school girl who is uh, combating. Uh, an eating disorder. Hmm. And this is, um, uh, I'm not telling tales out of school to say that this is uh, based in Brianna's own experience of life. And uh, she's, her uh, whole decision-making process is taken over by this voice that uh, encourages her to eat less and look thinner. And it's her struggle to come to terms with life and uh, put this behind her. It's It's a remarkable book. And um, Rihanna's, in fact, she's from Saskatoon. And she's also a film student. She studies film in BC, and she's making a small movie about this as well, which will will make sure it's accessible to people. So we're, this is uh, 
a real coup for us. It's landed for us, and we spent some time working with her on this, and it's and it's going to be great. Cool. It's going to be great. Um, I don't want to trivialize the books that you've just brought up, but do you have anything else coming out that might be a little bit cheerful? Uh, <laughs> cheerful. Well, here, let me... Um, let me let me try this on you. Okay. For those of you in the uh, fantasy science fiction readership, oh my hand goes up. There you go. <laughs> uh, we've got the fifth and final uh, volume of Shards of Excalibur by Ed Willett. So we've been publishing these all along. Uh, there are four of them are out, and uh, Door into Fairy is the uh, final uh, episode, final final version of this. And that brings to a conclusion his uh, uh, collection of five. It's not a quartet, so I guess it's a quintet. Quintet, uh, yeah. Quintet of uh, uh, fantasy novels that were actually rooted in Regina. I don't know uh, if you remember the first one, but it sort of starts with the reimagination of the Lady of the Lake in Wisconsin Lake. Oh. <laughs> and the uh, Sword of Excalibur appears there. And two contemporary teenagers in Regina have uh, find themselves on a quest to find all missing parts of Excalibur and put it back together again. And in this book is when they put it back together again, and it generates a power to do things that they may actually not be capable of coping with. So there, mm. therein lies the dramatic tension. Right. Pro- plus, probably a lot of goose poop. It's you know <laughs> this is this is Wascana, so. I, I like. I like. I should ask Ed Will at some point if if he's put like a lot of goose poop into his books because you would need that if you're talking about something for the verisimilitude. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know these these books are uh, aimed at a, a broad audience uh, right across the country, and I think probably the goose poop was scrubbed off the uh, pathway around Wisconsin Lake just <laughs> to make Regina appear a little more a fitting place for the Lady of the Lake to emerge. Yeah, I don't know, though. I've got two kids, and they think goose poop is hilarious. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, maybe we could work on an improvement vector for that. Okay. <laughs> to Ed. Yeah. Um, is there anything else? Did we... Uh... Uh, um, another book. Uh, I've got a couple other ones. Um, one is a, a book called Convictions by Judith Silverthorne. Mm-hmm. She's written a lot of books for kids, and this is uh, her latest. And this one is set on um, a prison ship in 1840. God, back to the depressing book concept. Well, th- this is uh, this is a uh, a really an educational book. Uh, when we talk to uh, libraries and schools about putting this book out, nobody had any idea. And I shouldn't say nobody, but they're surprised that this was actually something that happened to fourteen-year-old housemaids uh, in rich houses who steal apples and things. That they actually get deported to Australia. And uh, which is what this book is about. It's it's rooted in in the truth, and uh, so it's about what happens. It's a, a boat full of these women, and it's it's the relationships and coming to grips with all that's happening to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's coming out, and um, I, I think that's going to do really really well. Judith sells lots of books, and the final one I'll mention is the second volume of poetry by a woman named Karen Schlanka. Uh, we printed her first volume in I think 2010, and this is her second. Uh, poetry, um, it's it's fantastic work. If you view poetry, and I think this is one way of viewing it, as sort of language distilled to its essence, I, Karen has really mastered that skill. She's a physician by trade, and she's worked around the world. And uh, so that meticulous, scientific kind of analytical mind is in there. 
Uh, Karen is also married to an Argentinian guy, uh, and they, as a duo, they teach tango on the side. And so her uh, scientific eye uh, and, and powers of observation are tempered by this lush, sort of exotic, sensual feel. And I mean that her thoughts on tango permeate this book as well. So it's an interesting, it's, it's great writing because it's precise, it, it's pointed, it's sharp, but then it's full of exotic, sensual images and so on. It's, I, it's a real pleasure to read. Cool. This is cool. um, poetry that uh, really accessible, and if you know somebody says, "Why would anybody bother reading poetry?" Hand them this novel, this this collection as a starter. That's a great book. Right on. Oh, I have a question. What are your? Uh, I mean, since since working in Cotto, I mean, what what are your impressions of uh, of publishing and writing in Saskatchewan? I'm amazed uh, at how many writers are here. Uh, and never mind the expats like Maggie Siggins or, or so on. There are writers groups here, the Saskatchewan Writers Guild. Uh, uh, there are tons of people writing stuff. And we, we get manuscripts all the time from people. And there's really good stuff there. I mean, there are great stories in Saskatchewan. And one of the great things I think about a lot of the Saskatchewan heritage is most of it is fairly fresh. So it's um, this is not, uh, for most people here, this is not an ancient place. Uh, for First Nations, obviously it is, but for uh, settlers, this is still a fairly fresh place. It's not uncommon to meet people who who are three generations away from homesteading and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's great stories, mm-hmm. great, great stories. There's lots to do here, lots to do. It's very exciting. And um, I don't think it's any secret that the Queen City is kind of weak in the way of bookstores. How do you find uh, like distrib- distributing? And selling books in Saskatchewan. How's that going? Uh, it's a challenge. And you're absolutely right that if, if someone was going to say to me, someone asked me what's the one thing they could do to help publishing in Saskatchewan, I would say start a bookstore in Regina. And, and because it is crazy that the biggest market in, in, Regi- in, in Saskatchewan has well, there's chapters. Yeah. And then there's, there's another bookstore up Albert uh, near 4th paperback store um mm-hmm. but really no i mean there aren't bookstores yeah. hanging around on street corners and things yeah. like that it, it is a real challenge yeah and there's an independent bookstore in saskatoon but yes there is yeah, yeah but here there's nothing yeah there there's uh there's and there's, there's mcnally robinson and uh, mm-hmm. i think there's another store or two in saskatoon but here it is it it's tough it's tough yeah. Yeah. Chapters in a go is kind of the main game. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people buy books online in, in Regina. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can buy books from our website, Cotto Books from our website. Mm-hmm. We, we have that as well that you really need it these days to stay in competition. And yeah. if Chapters doesn't, isn't interested in stocking your books, then it, yeah. where else do you go? So do you find that's tough? Like, do, do Chapters turn away books from Cotto Books? Um, I... It's difficult to say <laughs> because we actually work through a distributor, and yeah. so the distributor has national accounts, and mm. Chapters is an account. So right. the Saskatchewan rep for our distributor doesn't do Chapters. The Chapters rep for that distributor does Chapters. Okay. So our books would arrive in a catalog that they put together with hundreds of others, uh, and they have a limited shelf space, and uh, it's it's hard to know. You know, sometimes there seems to be more non-books in chapters than books. Uh, I think one of the things um, 
we struggle with is that I would shelve some of the books that we produce differently than Chapters does. Because mm. I think people who look for Saskatchewan writers don't necessarily turn to the poetry shelf or the adult yeah. fiction shelf. They kind of look for the local shelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, McNally Robinson has a Saskatchewan shelf right, in the, like, right as you go in the store. That's true. Just on the right. It's got a yeah. whole, yeah. I was thinking maybe if instead of books, if you sold pillows, you'd do great at Chapters. They've, yes. They've got lots of pillows. But do you know how long it takes to embroider a novel on a pillow? That would be hard. I, I can imagine. Yeah. 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 I tried it with a grain of rice once. It was, <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. Could you turn your books into candles, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> a nice scented candle. Well, there's, <coughs> a book nothing embedded to, in it. there's nothing to stop right. you from lighting one on fire once you've read it. Oh, that's sure. True. Or should I say once you've paid for it? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, are there so it, apart from the website, uh, could people come into the office to get books? Off they can. Books? Yeah. yeah, we we don't look much like a bookstore. We look more like an office. But we have a sign on the door, and I, my yeah. office is actually right in the window, so you can actually see if I'm there. Right. And um, yeah, people are welcome to come in, drop in a drop off a manuscript if you want, or come in and oh, buy a that's book. cool. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. We'll, we'll bring by some reports. Maybe <laughs> you could bind them for us. Yeah. <laughs> they. The anthology of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Yeah. Yeah. And then we could get them bound, get sent back to the city hall. Yeah. Yeah. And what is your website? Where do people find you online? www.cottobooks.com. And Cotto is spelled C-O-T-E-A-U. Right. Books, all one word in this case. Okay. All right. So I don't know. How do you, what do you think? How did he do? I, th- I think, I think John Agnew really is an improvement vector. I would, I'd have to say. What a surprise. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful. <laughs> On behalf of the thousands of employees and readers of Cotto Books, may I thank you for that? Uh, absolutely. Well, and we've, uh, we have a certificate for you. It's true. I'll it's hold true. it up to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope all our listeners can see that. Uh, oh, also, just to remind everybody, we are broadcasting on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina's Community Radio Station. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot for coming in, John. Yeah. Well, thank you. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I hope you can stick around for the rest of the meeting. Yeah, if you I'll can. be here. All right on. Okay, so I think, uh, what should we move to on the agenda? Let's see. Um, do you want to talk about improvement factors? Uh, and innovative revenue tools and such? Oh, sorry, that's what I meant to say. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm yes. sorry. I've been too close to the asbestos again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My brain isn't working quite as well as it should be. You know, they are coming to remove the asbestos. Really? Yes, they just then, have to. Well, there, there's there's the rats and possibly the leopard. Okay. So once Don't once they can leopard. corral yes once they corral the wild animals, and and the vermin, they can get to the asbestos. Good. Yeah, we'll put, put in a request. Yeah, putting in a tender for asbestos removal. Okay. So, so every week we um, we look at ways that the city can improve its bottom line by improving revenue or uh, cutting costs. And uh, so this week we've got a new innovative revenue tool to look at. Yeah, well, we're combining uh, the idea of the Laneway Suites pilot project with uh, cutting edge neurotechnologies. How so? Well, it's actually quite simple. Uh, instead of like having extra space that you build onto, uh, like in your garage, uh, you uh, you actually have extra space in the back of your head. You know, but sort of near down by the medulla oblongata. 
You mean just like behind my collar here? Yeah, yeah. Or you know, under my hat. You, you can, yeah, you can build further up if you like. Okay. And you can, uh, you can uh, host other people's thoughts, memories, uh, aspirations there. So because I mean, we're all really busy, and yeah. attention is divided. So if you could actually just rent out somebody else's head for a while, wouldn't you? I I would. I'd do that. Yeah. yeah obviously. So this is kind of like Johnny Mnemonic. Could you like then carry? Secret messages, or I have I haven't finished that movie yet. Oh, I, I was just you know what I actually recommend you saying. shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Because yeah. I, I was just I was actually that's where I got the idea from. I was watching it on the uh, I found a VHS. Uh, oh, by okay. Boiler, right. And uh, I was watching Johnny Mnemonic, and and Barb Wire. Oh, yeah. that's a great double feature. Yeah, exactly. Johnny yeah. Mnemonic, Barb Wire. But Johnny Mnemonic seemed to offer more revenue tools. Yeah. Because I, I don't know how Pamela Anderson is a revenue tool for the city. So We'll work on that for next week. Exactly. Um, so how exactly are we going to make revenue off of the, um, the I guess they're like laneway suites in your heads? Yeah, you'd have to, you have to build out. I mean, there are some issues there where when you build out, you, can, you might obstruct people's view or right. block traffic with like this sort of strange extension in the back of your skull. Right. Kind of like alien style. Huh. And does like zoning actually like extend up to like the edges of our bodies so that the city can That's how yeah, that's essentially how it works. Huh. Uh people don't know this, but you actually like zoning bylaws actually like like think of like invisible hooks that like latch onto you. You just pull it around with you. Really? Yeah. It's 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 strange. No nobody yeah. really wants to talk about it, but that's how it works. Okay. And so then in the end, the hope is that we can just tax people for their brain space. That's, that's always the, that's, that's the dream. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, I think we should like maybe see if we can find some other improvement vectors or improvement. Why am I doing that? I don't uh, know. Innovative revenue tools. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody's like rented out space in the brain. That must be it. Yes. See, oh, man. It's better, I'm going to have to start charging them more rent. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, so that's it for our innovative revenue tools. There are no more? There are no more for this week's meeting. It was pushing the edge of innovation. It was. It always does. Always. Yeah. So what is next on the agenda? Well, I do believe we are going to be uh, talking with recognized improvement vector. Uh, oh, excellent. Joanna Bundon from the Citizen Social Club. Hi, guys. Hey, Joanna. Hi. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, it was my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Because yeah. I guess this, this is a sign that there's been a council meeting. There has been numerous council meetings since we spoke last. Yeah. yeah the most recent on January 25th, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what happened at that council meeting that was so controversial? Well, the hot topic yeah. was the blue dot movement. Yeah. 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 That was a motion that Sean Fraser brought forward, hey? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you want to give the skinny on it? Well, yeah, you know what? Actually, I have some audio of Sean Fraser reading the motion out. Right on. That yeah. is the skinny. So basically, uh, it's a motion that he brought forward. It's, um, and I'll, well, I will play it and then we can discuss it. Cool. Uh, whereas the city of Regina understands that people are part of the environment and that a healthy environment is inextricably linked to the well being of our community. And whereas all people should have the right to a healthy environment, including the right to breathe clean air, the right to drink clean water, the right to consume safe food, the right to access nature, 
the right to know how pollutants and contaminants released into their local environment, about pollutants and contaminants released in their own local environment, and the right to participate in decision-making that will affect the environment. And whereas the City of Regina has a responsibility within its jurisdiction to respect, protect, and fulfill and promote these rights, and whereas when threats of serious and irreversible damage to human health or the environment exist, the City of Regina shall take cost-effective measures to prevent the degradation of environment and to protect the health of its citizens, Therefore, be it resolved that the City of Regina shall specify objectives, targets, timelines, and actions that it'll take within its jurisdiction to fulfill residents' right to a healthy environment, including priority actions to ensure infrastructure and development projects protect the environment, document, protect, and prioritize green infrastructure, such as city trees, document current greenhouse gas emission estimates and identify areas where emissions can potentially be reduced, responsibly increase density, Prioritize walking, cycling, and public transit as preferred modes of transportation. Ensure adequate infrastructure for the provision of safe and accessible drinking water. Reduce solid waste and promote recycling and composting. Establish and maintain quality accessible green spaces in all residential neighborhoods. Be it further resolved that the City of Regina will consult with its residents as part of this process. Be it further resolved that the City of Regina shall re review these objectives, targets, timelines, and actions every five years and evaluate progress towards fulfilling this declaration. Finally, be it further resolved that the City of Regina, recognizing the crucial role of other levels of government play in providing a healthy environment, send letters of support to the provincial government and to the federal government, encouraging them to develop provincial and federal legislation that supports all people's right to live in a healthy environment. Thank you. So there you go. I, uh, I re respectfully, I disagree with uh, Councillor Fraser. Oh, yeah? I think people in Regina should have the right to buy new iPhones every two years, and that's that. Okay. You you wouldn't have been alone in your perspective <laughs> at the meeting, actually. Because <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, this didn't pass. Or I say unfortunately. Are we? Yeah, I'm going to let my colors show. Okay. Unfortunately, it didn't pass. Yeah. 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 So uh, in short, I guess, the, the, the main motion part at the end was just basically this idea that... Uh, Human, that humans have a right to a safe environment and that the the city would sort of take it on themselves to do whatever they can mm -hmm. to sort of ensure that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you're saying that it, that wasn't a popular idea? It wasn't a popular idea, yeah, which I, I think came as a little bit of a surprise to, to um, the folks who were gathered because definitely Henry Baker Hall was, was packed, like as full as I've ever seen it. Um, there was a really uh, a lofty amount of people there, a healthy delegation, um, a really diverse um, representation and, and speakers. Um, and there was really good conversation also. There was, uh, there was a lot of engagement from the councillors, really thoughtful questions, I thought, which, which is always wonderful to see. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, it, it didn't fly. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. Do you want to give like? Do you want to give the uh, the reasons why they were so uh, reluctant Ooh. to sign on to this? The skinny, the skinny, yeah, the, skinny. the skinny. Jump in whenever I'm all. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'll see yeah. a couple, but you jump in. Um, yeah. I think there is ultimately just a lot of concern about um, tying tying the government's the 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 municipal government's hands or tying a future municipal government's hands. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of jockeying for whose zone this was in. You know, is this really something we should be engaging municipally or does this call it to, um, or is this more about federal legislation? Um, yeah. A bit of risk aversion in general, I think. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. they didn't actually vote against it in the end. What they did was they voted to refer it back right. to administration to get them to write a report to tell them what to think. Right. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being clear with that. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to land on our desk any day now. Well, Does this yeah. stuff come to you guys? Uh, eventually. If yeah. If you don't want it to come back. 
Yeah. Speaking of... Uh, and often by accident, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of, uh, typically when... Uh, city council wants to um, make sure that a, you know that something they've sent to administration mm-hmm. it comes back in a timely fashion, doesn't get lost. Mm-hmm. They'll set a deadline for when it has to come back to council, and they didn't set one this time. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, I know what happens when I don't set a deadline with stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, the bike rack. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, there was like this strange arcane legal argument that Councillor Hawkins was making yeah. that because the national blue dot movement is trying to enshrine this right to a healthy environment in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, mm-hmm. that then we could have unelected judges telling city council what to do. Mm-hmm. And I've actually got some audio of him expressing his fears and concerns. Ooh. Thank you very much. I've appreciated your comments and, and the, the, the forthrightness of your comments, particularly as you're a businessman. I want, to oppose, I want to suggest or ask you about a hypothetical, and I want to just preface this by saying being a counselor is really hard, hard work because we have to make hard, hard choices. Sure. Uh, imagine that this declaration and many other declarations uh, arrive and the Constitution is ultimately changed. Because, as you said, frankly, uh, that's where your movement wants to go. And imagine uh, an environmental uh, uh, issue is brought under the new Charter of Rights, uh, and an order is made against the city of Regina requiring it to take drastic financial actions to, say, move the rail yards or something, whatever. How would the business community feel about the kind of taxes that we would have to impose to achieve that environmental standard imposed on non-elected people by judges using the Charter. I'm worried about financial implications. What if we have to make a choice between the environment and feeding hungry children, for example? I don't know how we make those choices. I do know that elected people have to make those choices and be held accountable for those choices by the electorate. So, what are your thoughts? Well, what if, what if, you know, environmentally minded zombies rise up and destroy all business people and have to pay tax? I, I actually could not follow uh, part of <laughs> towards the end what Hawkins was saying. Yeah. Uh, it, appear, it appears that Regina will one day have to feed starving children, but maybe they'll have to uh, clean up. You know, put more trash cans around Oscana Park. So they'll say, "Sorry, children, we had to put, we had to move the rail yards. Yeah, we had to, we had to sell land at, at bizarre cheap prices around the global transportation hub. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, this council has always been very much about what is our core business and mm-hmm. not wanting to step away from that or have things downloaded onto them. <laughs> and Feeding hungry children has never been their core business. Yeah. And I don't foresee that being a worry. It's such a maybe, strange thing for him to pull out of his pocket. Maybe maybe Hawkins saw people feeding pigeons outside and got confused. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is quite possible. Yeah. Well, and that was him talking to Brian Brunskill. Like, and I, I want to really yeah. name these um, the delegations because they were and give them props because they just did such a great job. I they thought really they were did. so well prepared um, and really personal, which I don't know about you, but 
that's what I want to hear in that room is someone speaking about their personal experience, someone speaking about their personal um, opinions and, and hopes for the city. And I thought he did a really good job responding to that. I, I know we don't have the audio of it, but um, of kind of rebuttling or, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they typically did. Like everybody there who showed mm-hmm. up was very, um, was very well well researched mm-hmm. they yeah they were, they were really ready for those i was surprised that um that the kind of sometimes there's this you know peer pressure thing that can work right like i think as reginans were sort of play this underdog role quite well and 107 other municipalities have signed on to the blue dot movement and i was kind of surprised that that wasn't given a little bit more uh clout by the council like it 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 seems like this is sort of um I don't want to say everyone's doing it, but it, it does seem kind of par for the course to have a guiding document, a non-binding guiding mm-hmm. document. Um, yeah. And maybe the other thing worth mentioning is that it really fits into their uh, official community plan um, really, really nicely. Because in that, in that plan, there's uh, some really nice language around um, conserving uh, outdoor spaces, which is mentioned in the Blue Dot Movement, and also uh, environmental strategies. Section yeah. D, if you happen to be reading it tonight before bed. <laughs> Is that what they do in the Citizen Social Club? Yeah, we all have to keep a copy by our night nighttime oh, really? table, yeah. No, I'm yeah. picturing all of you in like nightcaps and gowns with little candles, just yeah. time for bed. A little monocle. Yeah. But then on WhatsApp, like texting each other. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> blending the old and the new. So that's, I guess, 107 municipalities that uh, are going to be beholden to activist judges now. Yeah. Um, demanding that they you know, pay taxes instead of feed children. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't write, I, I don't have a note on it, but Councillor Fraser's motion, mm-hmm. uh, it's not that ambitious, right? Like it's mm-hmm. very much, it very much just sort of directs council to, you know, do what they're doing, only do it a little bit harder. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the other thing is that um, there was a, um, a sort of offer that never got picked up on, which was that it could be amended or um, sort of, how to say, edited to sort of best suit the needs of needs of uh, Regina and, this, yeah. and the council. But that wasn't really picked up on. Um, who knows? Maybe it will be when it when it comes back, right? If, uh, yes, when it comes back. <laughs> <laughs> when evs. So yeah. what happens? Like it just, where does it, it'll just... Like whose hands does it go into? I have it. That's a really good question. It certainly doesn't come here first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, uh, one of the things we have the election coming up, right? right? So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, this is a thing they might a hot potato they might want to put off until after the election, mm-hmm. or it might be something I don't know. Maybe they want it to come really right near the election. Right. So they can all yeah maybe yeah. maybe yeah. yeah. Um, so another one of the mention, uh, one of the, the other things that Hawkins mentioned in there was this idea that what if we have to move the rail yards? It's funny because we've just recently had to build, uh, a, you know, a whole new wastewater treatment plant or to expand our wastewater treatment plant to, uh, you know, improve the quality of the, the wastewater we're, we're ejecting from the city. And that was because of elected representatives in Ottawa changing the regulations around, you know, the, the quality of effluent that we can put out. So the thing that he's worried about is already happening. We're already mm. getting, you know, directives from on high that we have no control over. And we've been making it work. So... High quality effluent, said Ottawa. Yeah, and, and so and so we, yeah. so we moved. So you you um, 
I wanted to talk some more about uh, Councillor Hawkins, if that's okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. He's, I just, I mean, the Oscars are coming up. <laughs> and he's not nominated this year. No, well, I've got a bit that he should be nominated. Do you for. have a bit? I do. He's so wonderfully dramatic, yeah. Well, hang on to your hats. Tonight I rise full of pride. Full of pride that a delegation and a group of people as committed, as focused, as engaged with the community, as environmentally conscious as the people who are here tonight are. It makes me proud to have a delegation as generous in their understanding of our city as you being. How's that? I'm filled with pride. I am too. Wow. Yeah. So that started, this was the beginning of his speech at the end. So uh, when a motion comes forward, everybody gets to ask questions of the delegations. And then each of the councillors, if they want, they can rise in support her mm-hmm. to uh, you know, say that we, we, we don't like it. And so this was the beginning of Hawkins' speech where he was basically, you know, winding up to the bit where he says, I'm going to pass a motion to put this off. Uh, But he wasn't just proud of the people who came out. He was also proud of our city council. But I'm especially proud tonight of our city council and proud to be a member of this city council. And I want to just list a list I prepared before tonight, but which all of you have mentioned, the kinds of environmental things that this city council has done. Greenhouse gases. Look what our official city plan says. Now there's a declaration, a declaration that we will provide direction for emission reductions. That's more than an aspirational declaration. That's in our city plan that we measure all of the things we do against. The fact that we've been recognizing for reaching the fifth and final milestone in the FCM Partners for Climate Protection. We've reached the top milestone. Okay, I have to interrupt there. You did some research. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I totally did. So this (laughs) this milestones thing, I hadn't heard about it. Um, And there just so happened to be a box of old files in the corner here that was kind of getting damp. (laughs) And uh, so I was reading up on these milestones that they were talking about. I was going to grow some potatoes in that box. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's what those were? Yeah. I ate those seed potatoes. I'm Um, sorry, Hayden. (laughs) So so these milestones are talking about, this came from a thing called the Partners for Climate Protection Program that uh, Regina signed on to with the Federation of Canadian Municipalities and a bunch of other cities in 1994. There are five milestones to achieve. Uh, and this was accomplished by a guy named ba- uh, Mike Badham, who was like a city councillor here years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently he's a, a late councillor, not just a former councillor. Uh, but he, uh, anybody who's, I, I've never met him, but everybody who's spoken about him has said that he was mm-hmm. a fantastic dude. Um so the five milestones, the first one is uh, creating a greenhouse gas emissions inventory and forecast. We did that. Uh, milestone two is setting an emission reduction target, which was that the city, they would strive to get our city to 6% greenhouse gas emissions below our 1990 level by 2012. And corporate, so the city hall and all of our um, trucks and stuff, would shoot for 20% below 1990 levels by 2005. And then this was revised to 15% below 1990 levels by 2012. Um, 
Then there was milestones three and four, develop a local action plan, implementing the local action plan or set of activities. And then we finally got to the final milestone, milestone number five, which is what everybody was talking about at this meeting in 2015. So nearly 25 years later, uh, an entire generation has like <laughs> passed between <laughs> milestone one and milestone five. And milestone five is monitoring progress and reporting results. And the report that the city of Regina put together was about how we failed to hit our greenhouse gas targets oh. that we set in 1994. So, oh. so Councillor Hawkins is proud of, of, of uh, our collective failure. Yes. Oh. But at least we reported it. Yes. <laughs> They didn't shy away from filling out yeah. forms. Okay. And as far as I can tell, there was no, like, award for this milestone. We didn't get, yeah. like... That's really know, disappointing. Yeah, a ceramic wow. jug or something. Yeah. Uh, I think we got a mention on the Federation of Canadian Municipal- Municipalities webpage. Huh. Yeah. Wow. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> he kept listing things that the city's accomplished. What, what are some of these things? Okay, well, uh, next up he talked about the wastewater treatment plant, which we've already spoken about. So let's jump to this our recycling program that is working beyond all expectations okay is it it's it's when we never expected that would even be in place so so it is actually working beyond (laughs) is it working beyond expectations for you guys well we we've we we you know we lobbied vigorously against it here in the, in the basement uh so. <laughs> because we use the paper for our beds exactly right. <laughs> um but yeah I, I expected it to recycle glass which apparently it doesn't do yeah. anymore and it needed the media to discover that and uh we were the second last city in the country to get a recycling program only saskatoon was slower on that than we were but you know, and the the crowd gathered at the meeting was they were clearly well aware of these facts. I don't know if you could pick that up on on access, but yeah, um, yeah I think these are things that certainly folks who are following environmental news are aware of. So yeah. yeah. Um, what else was he proud of? Oh, there was this. Ooh. Our parks, our trees. Uh, community gardens, the fact that we have a new bus fleet, which is less polluting than the old bus fleet. Uh, 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 Pro-bus pro councillor, pro-bus Hawkins is what we do not call him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, wait, were you there when I was he, there, yeah. yeah. The U-Pass? Yeah. I mean, he, this is just a surprising perspective for him to take now. Yeah. Yeah. That he yeah. voted against the U-Pass. Mm-hmm. The only councillor who voted against the U-Pass. And part of that U-Pass motion was that we would uh, speed up the funding of five new buses, or was it four new buses? Mm, I'm yeah, not sure. I can't yeah. remember either. But yeah, there was new buses on the table, and mm-hmm. he had a long tail end of his speech there where he talked about how public transit is not going to be the solution to transportation yeah. in the winter city. It's going to be uh, cars made out of recycled materials and green petroleum. I don't know. <laughs> cars green that you fuel. can actually just like fold up and throw away in the trash <laughs> when you're done with them. In That's our recycling true. program that is That's right. exceeding expectations. Ex- except it won't recycle cars. cars. <laughs> <laughs> except it won't recycle cars. Yeah. 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 Oh, what else was there? I've got more. <laughs> And as Councillor Murray said and pointed out, the fact that every single briefing note that this council gets from its city administration contains a section on environmental implications. 
Okay. So every single report that comes across has a section. It's true. It says environmental implications. It's near the end. Um, and I think it's interesting that he would bring this up because uh, after the Blue Dot movement was over, one of the last reports that came forward at this same city council meeting was um, a Tim Hortons for uh, the northeast of the city in a light industrial area. And uh, this Tim Hortons is going to have is going to have 69 parking spots. Hmm. The requirement under the uh, city zoning rules is nine. So they are going to have almost eight times as many parking spots as they're required by law to have. What's 60 extra between friends? And it's for a restaurant, a a Tim Hortons that sits 43 people. So this is (laughs) 1.6 parking spots for every for every person in there. So people could like wear their cars like roller skates and take them to the Tim Hortons <laughs> nice. in the city's northeast. And You're towing something. Oh, exactly. Yeah, like That's <laughs> probably what it's yeah. all about. There you go. So one for your camper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as far as like discouraging people from driving, this is not going to be a uh, you know, this development isn't one of those things. And the official community plan, like you were saying, it contains things like, you know, Buildings should enhance the environment, and we should try to limit parking. Well, so they did they defer that motion on the Tim Hortons thing? They must have deferred it, put it off until whenever. Oh, hey, let's hear what Councillor Splagla Murray had to say about the Tim Hortons. I like the idea of this because we know that there's issues with some of the Tims in Regina for parking and, and backing things up. And with the busy intersection that this is going to be, Winnipeg is busy, Ross Avenue is busy, uh, this is a great thing because it keeps them off the, as we say for the kids, keeps them off the streets. So thanks. Thank you, Councilor Flagel. Other discussions? Councilor Murray? Uh, thanks, Your Worship. I was just uh, uh, thinking about uh, Councilor Flagel's comment, but uh, with a 43-seat restaurant, I'm glad they're going to have lots of parking because that's a large restaurant. When you include all the people that are coming through on the drive through you need that extra room. So uh, I'm definitely in support, and uh, uh, I don't mind my Tim's. So yeah. excited. Thank you. He loves his Tims. Wow. Um, Excellent. So, yes, they voted. Uh, I, I couldn't see the vote, so I couldn't tell if I, it was unanimous. I, I must admit I left by that point. That's okay. Yeah. Oh. But, um, but, yeah, I, I think it. they did clip through the rest of the meeting fairly swiftly. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, as far as the um, the environmental implications in that report, the report on the Tim Hortons, the environmental implications section said there are none with regards to this report. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Didn't it say? Uh, maybe it just said, "I like my Tims." Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. I, I guess I was I was expected to read between the lines. There. <laughs> yeah. So, then who would be making those recommendations? Like, would that be someone? Is there someone in charge of environmental recommendations at the city, or do you think that would be? That's a fascinating question. Hey, maybe someone should tweet us. <laughs> Yeah. Tell well, us about environmental recommendations and who's responsible. Who's for responsible for that? Yeah. You guys should. It would be planning and sustainability. Yeah. The suspect would be the sort of staff people, but there used to be a an advisory committee, the environmental advisory committee. Oh but wow. But that's been put on hold. Oh. Because we're doing a review of all of our committees. Right. So they haven't met since late last year. Okay. Uh, and by last year, I mean 2014. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that we moved into 2016. So yeah, they haven't met for oh. a very long time. 
I think that's a missing piece right now in yeah. the city, hey, is those advisory committees. I know, yeah. obviously, they need to be evaluated, or, or yeah. perhaps they need to be evaluated, but... Yeah. That's too bad. One of the things in that milestone report that they talked about is that they used to have this thing called the uh, uh, the mayor's green ribbon panel on climate protection or something. I can't remember. But it was specifically about climate change and greenhouse gas reductions. And uh, they got rid of that. They folded it into the Environment Advisory Committee, and they did that a long time ago. And the milestone report also mentioned that uh, the they stopped... Uh, their efforts to deal with uh, the greenhouse gas emissions at the city because they were building the OCP, the new uh, official community plan. Uh, they stopped dealing with greenhouse gas emissions in about 2004, they said in that report. They started working on the OCP in 2007. So there's there's even like a three-year gap hmm. where... And <clears throat> it, it's, it's also a bit strange that it's the OCP which they're holding up as, you know, this is an example of how environmental we are, and yet it was the thing that inspired them to stop Right. Dealing with greenhouse gases. And all this comes together for how Hawkins declaring. And those are the reasons why I say to you and to the city of Regina tonight that I think that this is one of the most environmentally friendly councils in this nation. So there we go. Aiden. Uh, <laughs> I. I just have to agree with everything he says. Actually, I'm looking forward to the blue dot uh, resolution being passed uh, maybe around 2030, and then uh, Councillor Hawkins being very proud of that then. Yeah, that, his involvement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have anything to add, Joanna? Well, I guess, you know, I, we've been... We've, done a lot of critique and maybe I just I do just want to say that there was some there were some good things about mm. this conversation and and to bring it back there which is that the um I thought the council was engaged in their questions just want to reiterate that you know sometimes sometimes there's not much rigor in the questions that are being asked and I did get a sense that there was some curiosity that there was um a level of preparedness from the councillors and um perhaps that maybe a decision like a spontaneous decision um, was going to be made. Like it's, it's not often that you get the sense that you're actually going to um, hear a decision made that wasn't made um, weeks and weeks ago. You know, mm -hmm. at a council mm -hmm. meeting. So um, that was one thing that you know it was palpable from the from the tone in the room. So yeah, um, there's that. Yeah, I, I was doing a bit of cherry picking. Because <laughs> there were a lot of, like a lot of councillors did say that, you know, that they supported the notion of the blue dot. Yeah. But that they just couldn't vote for it without more information. So yeah. 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 And I mean, the other great thing is there's tons of people there. Yeah. Um, tons of people there. And, uh, you know, the Blue Dot group clearly did a great job of organizing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So we've got to call adjournment. Oh, we, do, we yeah. have to, do we have to adjourn? Yeah. All right. Well, they're going to they're going to flush us out of here. Oh, motion to adjourn. Uh, I'll second the motion. OK, thank you very much, everybody. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR. Thanks to our guest, John Agnew and to Joanna Bunden. Thanks to Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire, for that great theme music you're hearing right now. Find us on Twitter, Queen City IB. That's not Irritable Bowel. It's Improvement Bureau or on Facebook. Uh, you can just find us on Facebook. Thanks to CJTR. Good night, everybody. Keep on improving Regina. Thanks for watching.